What's up, guys? This is Skeletoni. Uh, just before we start the episode, I want to let you know that we fucked up and didn't use our mixer for this episode. It was hooked up, we just weren't using it. Um, and I guess that's my fault. Anyway, instead of not giving you anything, we decided to give you the episode with the shitty audio. So hopefully you can, you know, bear it. If not, I mean, don't listen. Whatever. Okay, that's it. Um, here's the episode. to episode 134 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And uh, boy, are we excited to be here today. Boy, am I arms tired. Taylor's always tired because he's old. He needs a nap. It's true. I do need a nap. I need a nap pretty much every day now. <laughs> it sucks. I just nap on my drive home. Like, I come home from work and like I wake up fairly early. It's like usually 5.30, which... Okay, people wake up, like they do manufacturing jobs, and they wake up like three in the morning. That ain't me. Five o'clock is there, five. I five, don't want your life. <laughs> five five thirty is early for me. So, I but I you know I get off work at like two thirty or three, but then I come home and I just sit on the couch and I am fighting to stay awake. It's like I am just so fucking tired, and uh, I'm just getting fucking old. Getting old ain't for sissies. Red Jack Palance. One love. He's dead. One, one love. One. Sorry, Dexter. Um, cool. Anyway, so um, today is going to be our salute to Park Rangers because there are apparently just enough Park Ranger horror movies for that to be a thing. Two. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's more. We don't know. There could be. It could be several. Hey, um, but uh, yeah, so aside from that, we've got our usual dose <clears throat> of horror business. Yep. Um, and that should be exciting, right? Hopefully. It's going to be, you know, a little bit of old news because we were not doing horror business last week, last two, last episode. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, we're we're going to be behind now, aren't we? I think only one of the stories is really that old. Okay. So, um. You know, every year, and I don't know if it's necessarily because we have, like, maybe just locals, you know, people that see the sauce at Crypticon or people that went to Crypticon and want to listen to a Crypticon-specific episode, but our uh, Crypticon episodes always seem to do really well, like, as far as listens. And uh, it kind of makes me wonder, it's like, if people would enjoy us just having, like, episodes where we just talk. We just have discussions, not not about like a specific movie, not even like necessarily talking about like horror business like we usually do. If we just kind of 
go with the flow and just talk about whatever comes to us. Whether or not we could carry that, I don't know. But it makes me wonder if people would be interested in listening to that more often rather than just once a year when we do it for CryptoCon. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well. I mean, hey, guys, if you, if that's something you might be interested in, then uh, let us know, and we'll we'll mull it over. Steve's talking about our sausage. Our sausage? Yep. Said, what? Did I miss something? Uh, he said, "Wow, so this is how the sausage is made." Oh yeah, with Taylor, only Taylor. No, he's on Facebook. Oh hi, guys, check out the Bone Bat Show. Oh, it's Steve Holitz. Yeah. <laughs> That's Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> um, yeah, this is our... Oh, Dad, you can't be in the video. <laughs> Nobody's watching on Twitter. I'm just going to go over to fucking Instagram. This is dumb. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's something we could do, like, as a side hustle to our side hustle. Because we'd be hustling. We'll do it exclusively for Patreon. See what you guys think about that. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how I joined this. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, wait, great public podcast. What are you doing? Wait, I can't see you. I, I requested. You have to accept. Oh, I sent you one earlier. Oh, right. Hey, turn on your volume. I forgot about that. I forgot this was an issue and why we didn't do it in the same room anymore. <laughs> All right, so you still just get to look at it. It's a big thing to to do that. Like, I have to go, like, I have to go turn on my Bluetooth headphones and put them in a different room so we don't get that feedback audio whatever it's it's whatever um cool anyway so uh, what's new taylor what you been up to since crypticon uh since crypticon not much Mm -hmm. i will be heading to vegas next week vegas baby yes uh what what you going to be doing there Going to AEW Double or Nothing, as well as StarCast. Is this their first event? Yes. Okay. That seems like uh, that may have been a tough event to get into, like like as far as getting tickets. Well, they did this thing called All In, which was the same guys, but it was before AEW was like an official thing. Mm-hmm. And my buddy went to that, so he got first crack at the the packages, the travel packages. See. So he got those, and I bought it off him. Dope, fam. Yeah. I'm going with uh, two of my buddies from New York who fucking party. Yeah. So that should be fun for you when you're 35 and don't like partying. Yeah. (laughs) Either either like I'm going to have to be the responsible adult that drags everybody back to the hotel room, or I'm going to die. You might die. I might might die. (laughs) Because I feel like uh, like when other people start partying, you start partying. <laughs> like even even though you don't want to, you just kind of get you start going with the flow. Yeah. So that'll be neat. Um, 
just a you know a heads up, guys. We might be looking for a new host, co-host of the Great Flat Podcast. So send your applications in. Um, yeah, uh, God. So right after CryptoCon, I took a week off of work, which is nice, much needed. I hadn't had a vacation in almost two years, like of any kind. Like I didn't like like leave for the weekend, you know, or anything like that. Like I went to work and then I hung out at home every weekend for almost two years. Um, so that was, yeah, very Zen. Like I didn't do shit. Like I barely left the house and it was awesome. <laughs> I sat home and I watched movies all day long. Actually, I watched a lot of YouTube too. It's, it's just like my new fascination is just YouTube just all day. Welcome to the 2000s. I, it's like I, I never really got into um, just like streaming video or I mean YouTube. Like it was just never really my thing. Me either. But I I don't know. I just found uh, like I started watch like what what kicked it all off was I started watching um, uh, artists that are doing they did like time lapse like but like they're working with colored pencils which always fascinated me because like every time I worked with colored pencils it always looked like shit. But they were doing like these photorealistic drawings. And like they would take them like 10 hours to do, like, but there was all time lapse. So you watch it in like five minutes. It was just fascinating. But that kind of opened the door to other things. Like I, it, was, it was basically a gateway drug. From there, I started like watching like guys that were like doing sculptures and like, you know, guys doing woodwork and just a whole bunch of other things that just kind of like really kicked off my interest. And that's actually what inspired uh, Skeleton, Skeletoni's workshop before um, was that. And I know there's only been one episode so far. <laughs> but I actually do have ideas. Like in this time that I haven't been filming any, I've been generating ideas. So I'm, I'm working up to having just like a, a good, like preloaded or, you know, front-loaded queue of things that I can start working on and post up. So as soon as I can get my garage cleaned up, it's, it's gonna be off. It's going off the hook. Off the hook. Um, that was Jimmy. <laughs> you seen Jimmy? Jimmy was awesome. Jimmy was. Jimmy was Jimmy. <laughs> it happened already. It already happened. <laughs> um. <laughs> We're the only people in the world that quote grind. Like regularly. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I went back to work this week. And I, yeah, but it was it was fine. I think I've really got the ability to decompress from, from taking that week off. So like things weren't as stressful and intense as they had been. So that was a plus. But anyway, getting back into the swing of things. And uh you know, reevaluated some 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 things in life. Okay, deep, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm gonna start going to the gym again, which is nice. I'm getting pretty excited about that. That's something I've like for a long time. I was like, oh, I gotta get back to the gym, but I don't know. It was almost like there was like a physical barrier that was just preventing me from going. Like like a mental block that just couldn't get me going. But that there's a door. Use the door. <laughs> um, but I mean, no, it, it was definitely a mental thing. But it felt like a physical block, like, just preventing me from like, getting up and going. But I'm 
trying to move past that. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So why don't we thank our patrons? Let's do that. We're we're, we're uh, we kind of already call them grave diggers, but we should start like using that terminology. Sure. Yeah. So special thanks to our Patreon grave diggers. Um, these people help us support us every month and uh, help us, you know, do fun things with you know cameras and uh, you know pay my mortgage. Not true. Send me to Vegas. <laughs> if we had enough money to do that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, like, that's how people like people like YouTube people that like that's their career. Mm -hmm. They make their fucking bones off of advertising, but also patrons. Like they say, yeah, give me money, and I'll give you these perks. But that's my money. I'm gonna. That's my income. Yeah, we're not really like that. We don't make enough from Patreon to do that. We do put it directly back into the show, but. If we made enough, that would definitely be our income. <laughs> anyway, but those special people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, we really appreciate all the wonderful money you send us. Uh, it goes to good use. Um, and, uh, yeah. Taylor, if anybody else would like to become a grave digger, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for as little as $1. You can get exclusive content such as monthly video reviews of movies chosen by the Grave Diggers. Yeah. yeah. It's like the monster truck, Grave Digger, but not it's the monster truck. like track. that, but for legal reasons, it's not. <laughs> uh, the more money you give, the more perks you can get. $5 gets your name in the show. $100 gets you a tattoo of a fat unicorn right on my ass. Yeah. And there's not a lot of ass to go around. So the big fat unicorn can take up a lot of room. It's only $100. Settle down. <laughs> I'm just saying, you got a tiny little narrow ass. <laughs> a big fat unicorn would take up a lot of real estate. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, we just think by the time that this is posted we'll have a new video review up. So if you subscribe, you get to watch that. Is that actually going to go up before the episode this time? Doesn't I usually? Not usually. Okay, well, it'll be up eventually. Not when you edit. Hey, I don't have the best computer, okay? <laughs> it takes time. If you guys want quality, then give, tell us, you, more money. Yeah, give us more <laughs> money and tell, tell your friends so we can buy a new computer for editing. Because right now, this is stock. You're trying to take a, a stock car. Well, your stock car is this. <laughs> Bad but, analogy. <laughs> but if you took a stock car, like if I took my Ford Focus to a drag race, I'd get decimated. Okay. Because it has nothing in it. It's just like this little computer. You're right not here. NOS? Huh? You're not NOS? No, nah, bro. I took that out. It kept lifting up my front end. Yeah, you're a wicked spoiler. <laughs> That's not true. It's a front-wheel drive. It's impossible. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, cool. Okay. Just real briefly, can we talk about how Joe Russo wants to remake fucking Kroll? <laughs> I mean, sure. Um, I don't know why. Like, Kroll is one of, one of those... How's Kroll doing? Doing good? Like a chamois? 
to me, Kroll is one of those things that's like really bad, but people like say it's so good because people say that. I like there's like people that say Kroll is good. It's not good. It's hot garbage. It's so stupid. But there are people that just swear by it, and like I don't know why. I don't know if it's like they have some like kind of nostalgia for it or what. But yeah, no, it's bad. It's not good. It's it's a doo doo pie. Um, but it, I mean, even if you were to redo it well, like you know, get good actors and, and you know shoot it well, it's still a dumb story. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And just like for one of the guys who made fucking Avengers. Yeah. Just be like, you know, you know what my next project's going to be? Kroll. <laughs> Which was? It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you're more kind of I guess. Yeah, whatever. Avengers is fucking dope. It's fucking dope, man. Uh, you're probably not going to see it, are you? Probably not. I mean, maybe eventually. I don't know. We'll see. I still haven't seen Infinity War, so. Oh, really? Yeah. I just don't care. Fair enough. That just seems like it, especially like the last couple Avengers movies, it just seems like oh. it's something like everybody's seen. What's up? Uh, John Molina wants to look at you. You want to look at me? That's for you, puto. <laughs> um. Anyway, should we roll on? Yeah, I think we some horror business. Maybe we've talked about. Yes, horror business. Right, right now. <laughs> Guess who gave us this story? Oh, God. Did we really need his help? Yeah, because it was all there was. This is supposed to be real world horror. It happened in the real world. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, Indian soldiers. What are, what are Indian soldiers doing in Nepal? That's the real question. I don't know. How far is Nepal? Is it Nepal part of India? Nepal in its own country. No. I don't know. Are they adjacent? Maybe. I don't know. I at East Asia is just gonna Well, no, that's more or less that. whatever. Asia. I get confused. I know where China is and Japan. China. Japan. Street Fighter. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Uh, Indian soldiers trouncing around in Nepal have said that they found Yeti footprints. Um, in a tweet accompanied by pictures, uh, the Indian Army has said, oh, wait, I, I read this story. Was this the one that was super old? I don't think so. Oh, wait. This could have sent this to me. That's what it was. Um, in a tweet accompanied by pictures, the Indian Army said it had sighted footprints measuring 32 by 15 inches close to a camp near Mount Malaku or Makalu. 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 
Um, the tweet said, for the first time, an Indian Army mountaineering expedition team has sighted mysterious footprints of the mythical beast Yeti. Um, that's very... They sound very sure of themselves. Yeah, a little presumptuous. <laughs> Did you see these pictures? Yes. They look like nothing. <laughs> they look like divots in the snow. Um, if that foot, if that, if that is the footprint of an animal or a single animal, it's the size of a dinosaur," said Daniel C. Taylor, who has extensively explored the explored the Makalu. Yeah, Makalu Barun area and written a book on the mystery of the Yeti. Um, and he was telling this to writers. Okay. Um, one needs to really confirm that those measurements are the, uh, confirm those measurements of the footprint size, because we know for sure that there are no dinosaurs living in the Burren Valley. That's good. That's good that they know that. I mean, do they though? <laughs> Have they ever seen a dinosaur? Because... Mm -hmm. If not, you can't prove they don't exist. Right. Um, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> well, it's just like people insisting that Sasquatch and the Yeti exist. They have zero evidence to back it up, except for footprints. <laughs> He's for, doing air quotes. Yeah, very, very deliberate air quotes. <laughs> um, it's like they can't even find the shit. I mean, like, we need Carlos back on the show so he can agree with me on this. They gotta, they gotta find the shit. Where's the poop, Robin? That's uh, I mean, right? Yep. Yeah. I remember things. <laughs> um, what, what, do you, what do you think? Uh, it's probably nothing. It's 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 most likely nothing. It's probably like multiple footprints of like a bear or something, just like mushed together. Or it's like, you know, like a snow drift that got caught up on some rocks or something. Something else that's far more logical than a fucking mythical beast that nobody's ever seen. It's probably it's probably a far more likely uh, scenario. Probably. Um, yeah. So there's that. There's the Eddies in Nepal. No, there aren't. Probably. Suck it, Miss Gilder. <laughs> out of left field <laughs> uh, so in what's not much of a surprise Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures are rebooting the Saw franchise in what is a surprise they're doing so with Chris Rock yeah that Chris Rock it's not not a Chris Rock that you haven't heard of it's that Chris Rock yeah uh, Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg have written a script based on a story by Chris Rock. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? What? Hmm. So Lionsgate's chairman, Joe Drake, said, When Chris Rock came to us and described in chilling detail his fantastic vision that reimagines and spins off the world of the notorious Jigsaw Killer, we were all in. Ugh. There's a lot of buzzwords in there. That's how these fucking studio execs talk. Just all buzzwords. Also a spinoff? 
Uh, he goes on to say, this upcoming film will still be as mind-bending and intense as all the previous Saw films. Mm, no. <laughs> the only one that was intense or mind-bending was the first one. I maintain that. I agree. They were all doo-doo pies from then on. Yeah, it was like they just fell into their own formula. Mm -hmm. And just became, well, formulaic. It basically became like a satire of itself. Almost, yeah. Uh, Chris Rock, and I'm not going to do an impression, said, I've been a fan of Saw since the first film in 2004. I'm excited by the opportunity to take this to a really intense and twisted new place. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like all of these studios are like chomping at the bit and just... Champing. Huh? Champing. Horse champs. Whatever, man. <laughs> And they're just like clamoring to uh, to like get on this this bandwagon where you know like um, with you know Jordan Peele doing well with both of his movies, um, uh, David Gordon Green and uh, Danny, Danny McBride. McBride did did well with Hall uh, Halloween. Um, Mark Duplass and the Creep movies. Sure, I, I shouldn't really think not, of that. I don't have the same you know, financial success, but yeah. Um, but you know, basically these comedians, um, launching into these horror, you know, relatively successful horror careers. Um, and now like, it seems like these studios are just really trying to get into that business. And, um, it, it's like, they're not really, they don't really care <laughs> about what the quality might be, or if this person like has the, the capability to design a horror, you know, it's just, you know, um, what's the word? It made it like exciting or interesting horror experience. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, it, 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 sure. Who would have expected that of like Jordan Peele, especially? Um, well, I mean, when you break it down, like they're, they're very similar. Like they're both all about timing and surprise. Sure. But you can't just have uh, a horror movie that's, you know, 90 or 80 or even 70% comic relief. You have to have some thrills and so some, some suspense and some like truly like visceral horror elements in this. Sure. And it's like, that doesn't just happen. Like if you, if you wrote like a, if you took somebody who wrote like a, good horror story and you brought in a comedian to kind of punch things up, you know, maybe to add in some comic relief or uh, help work on the timing um, because they are so similar. That's kind of one thing, but to just say, Hey, Chris Rock, you're a comedian. That means you can probably make horror get busy. Um, I mean, it sounds like he came to them though. Sure. But I don't know. I'm not sold on this. It's, is there, I'm not a Chris Rock fan to begin with. And it's not to say his typical brand of stuff would really translate into this movie or not, but I don't know. And plus, like, what warranted this? Like, I mean, I don't think we need more soft, period. No, we, we, we don't. And that's the problem. It's like, what 
about the Saw franchise made you think that it needed more movies? It's like, I was talking with my wife about it. I was actually telling her specifically about this. And she's like, why? Why did, I mean, was, does Saw really need more movies or does it need a reboot? And I said, no, absolutely not. It's like, um, it was bad enough that they made seven fucking movies, six of which were dog shit. Yeah, there was no more story to tell. Like, oh, Jigsaw was dead for like, what, the last three of them? At least. And then they made a fucking prequel. Sorry, spoilers. Um, which was just dumb. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, so there's, there's more of the story. Uh, yeah, well, this is going to be directed by Darren Lynn Bousman, who actually directed three of the most successful Saw movies. I think two, three, and four. Sounds right. That's going to be executive produced by Chris Rock, as well as Daniel Hefner, and the original creators of the franchise, James Wan and Lee Wanell. You remember this was James Wan before he was James Wan, before he was like King of Horror, James Wan. Dude. Yeah. He was just some random Australian guy. Yeah, who like made a good movie. Yeah. Even though his movie before that was dog shit. Or it came before. Uh, Dead Silence. That was after, wasn't it? I thought it was before. I think it was after. Mm. 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 Either way, all of his movies do. Yeah, well. Hopefully he uh, stays out of this one. You can only hope, but... It seems like even movies that he produces, they all are, feel the exact same. Yeah, they feel the same, and they're all bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I really wonder how much influence he has over these movies because there's a like they'll make a movie and you know be like, oh, it's directed by this guy who directed 17 amazing movies and produced by James Wan. Somehow it looks exactly like every James Wan movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, as he, he hire these great directors and just not let them work. What better jumps for you? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm pretty sure James Wan and Lee Winnell were producers on all the Saw movies, even though they weren't directly involved. Um, so, I mean, Bousman's at least worked with them before. Um, I don't know. I. Uh, I just I don't really know what to say about this because the movies sucked. All like except for the first one, they all sucked. They got progressively worse as time went on. It's like it's not like you had this like little gem in the middle somewhere, like uh, like uh, I don't know, like Nightmare on Elm Street or something, where you know part five was actually a little good or, or something like Did that. Did not go with Friday the Thirteenth and Part Six. So how do you not go with Friday the 13th and part six? Because they were all good, except oh. for five. <laughs> I see. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm talking about like Friday the 13th, or, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 was good. Or just the first Nightmare on Elm Street, 2 was awful. 3 was awesome. Then 4 was kind of meh. 5 was, it's like, all right, that's not too bad. And 6 was just so bad. <laughs> um I mean, there are numerous examples. That's just the one I came up with. Um, but Saw wasn't like that. It wasn't like there was suddenly a good one was somewhere in the middle. They all got worse. As yeah. It's just like more far-fetched, 
more nonsensical and more just it's like it turned into like kind of like how Blumhouse movies are. They just, so it just became less and less of a story and more and more. Look at all these cool traps. And then at the end, it's a Fitz Philip, the pizza delivery guy from earlier. Yeah. Especially like in the last what three three or so, whatever they were, where it's like, okay, we know Jigsaw's dead. Actually, maybe it's seven movies and he died in like the third one. He's in all of them. He is in all of them. But like usually like posthumously. Yeah. Yeah, um, like somebody gets in a trap and all of a sudden it's like, dun, 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 it's me, Philip. Who the fuck's Philip? Yeah. Why do I care? I don't want this. Well, if you do, then remember, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw. But look for this October 23rd, 2020. Neat. Right, kick this out in here. Sounds about right. So a while back we talked about Hellraiser Judgment, which was a kind of a reboot of the whole franchise um, in that it was the second movie to not star Doug Bradley as Pinhead, um, the first movie since then to actually be halfway decent. Um, very critically panned, though. A lot of people didn't like it. I'm not really sure why. I remember not really caring for it. Really? Yeah. I thought we both thought it was okay. I think it was uh, – yeah, you liked it more than I did. I thought it was okay. I just didn't think it was anything. Yeah. Basically just – I don't know. It was, I think it was too crime drama for me. It was very crime during the war. Yeah. And I was okay with that. I especially liked the ending. I thought that was compelling. Um, I would have liked to see that continue, but it kind of sounds like we're probably not going to because uh, even though some whisper, some form of a Hellraiser uh, uh, remake has been talked about for years. Years, yeah. Um, uh, it never really panned out, but now it seems like it's actually kind of coming to fruition here. A uh, big budget reboot of the Hellraiser franchise uh, is being kicked off with um, David S. Goyer uh, writing the film. Um, uh, Goyer, you might know him from doing uh, basically all of the Zack Snyder DC films. He also had a hand in... Uh, um, the Chris Nolan Batman films and uh, Blade Two, so he's he's been around. He's a good writer. I mean, he's kind of hit and miss. Not Blade Trinity, right? I don't think so. Okay. He may have wrote the first one too. I'm not positive. Third one was real bad. It was really bad. <laughs> like uh, a couple weeks ago. No, this is probably more like a month or, or more ago. But I watched Blade One because they put them all, put all three of them on uh, Amazon. So I watched the first one. I'm like, huh. I haven't watched a second one in a while, so I wouldn't watch that one too. I'm like, eh, I'm going to go and skip the third one. <laughs> I'm just going to say it ended there because it's real bad. Yeah. And it, like, it has Ryan Reynolds, who I really like, and Jessica Beale, who I like to look at. Um, but it just still is what it really has. Hyper Posey, Parker Posey, and Triple H. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about them. 
Parker Posey is like the big bad. Well, the big bad is actually like a, a, an iteration of Dracula. She's like the little bad one. Sure, yeah. Um. Anyway, but uh, Goyer is writing a quote loyal, evolved reimagining of the original Hellraiser. Spyglass Media Group is behind it. Um, and we're saying it's being fast-tracked for worldwide theatrical distribution. So they're actually going to pump this to the theater, which hasn't happened in a long time. Mm-hmm. I think the last one that saw a theater release was maybe um, Bloodline, which was the fourth movie. And that was in the mid-90s. Um, maybe the last one I can remember for sure was Hell on Earth, which was the third one. And that was like early 90s. So for sure, not since then. Uh, possibly mid-90s. Anyway, um, Gore said, I've been a fan of Clive's work since the original Books of Blood, Paperbacks, and the Hellbound, Hellbound Heart novella. Um, having the chance to reimagine Pinhead and the Cenobites for a new audience is a nightmare come true. Gary is a true fan and as well, and we're committed to making something dark and visceral. That would be Gary Barber. Oh, yes. Sorry. Oh, I skipped over something here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> CEO of Spyglass Entertainment, yeah. Spyglass Media Group. Yeah, he said, Clive and I go back more than 30 years together. For generations, his brilliantly twisted and generations, his brilliantly, brilliantly twisted and imaginative Hellraiser haunted the minds of moviegoers with searing imagery of Pinhead. David is the perfect storyteller to continue Clive's vision for a new theatrical version of Hellraiser. I've never noticed whenever somebody new picks up a franchise, whether it be a sequel or a reboot or whatever it is, they always say, well, this is the perfect person. for mm-hmm. Just once I want to hear him be like, you know, this is what we could afford. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we wanted this other guy, but, you know, things happen. Um I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of bummed out that they're not going with the Hellraiser Judgment thing. But, like I said, you know, Goyer has a fairly good reputation. Um, and if he's going to be, like, true to the original, that could be something worth seeing. I felt like Judgment was true to the original. A lot of people disagree, but I think that was going back to that just really deep, dark... Uh, fucked up world that the original and actually the first two created i mean yeah when once it got into like hell on earth it got a little it kind of strayed and then it just progressively got further and further away from its original concept and i felt like judgment kind of came back to that even though like you said it was kind of like it was more gritty and like yeah kind of like a noir detective type story right, yeah but i feel like it had the the heart of the original, you know, the first two movies at its core. Um, and I, I would like to see them explore that, but if, if they can make one that's like true to the original again, um, and, you know, somehow better, then that that's fine. I don't have like a, um, like, like, a, like a relationship with Hellraiser, like I do with like Friday the 13th. So it's kind of like I, I never really got into Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. It, I just I, I I like them. Um, I mean, I like the the first four. After everything after that is kind of shit. But um, 
the first four movies are pretty good and I like to watch them, but it's not like I have some kind of devoted relationship with them. Right. So this is kind of one of those things where it's just like, all right, I mean, do what you got to do. Just, you know, make something good at yeah. least. <laughs> um, they should probably, they should get a comedian to write it. Probably <laughs> Seems to be working well for everyone else. Um, Keep an eye out for the new Hellraiser, written by Adam Sandler. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I could have sworn that I heard Clive Barker was going to be involved with this directly. I mean, at one point he wanted to remake it himself. Right. Um, and I think everybody kind of knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I think he wanted to, I think maybe he was just saying he was going to re- remake it himself so everybody else would stop trying. <laughs> um, could be. Seems like a sound strategy. <laughs> but we'll see. I know a lot of people um, were really hoping that the Hellraiser franchise would kind of steer away from Hell, uh, from Pinhead and focus more on other Cenobites and more the expansion of Hell itself than, you know, Leviathan. Which I would have been game for. Like, you know, Pinhead's like a good starter, like a good opening to the story, but there's such a like an unexplored world there that it's like he, he doesn't need to be the center point. He, like you can do other things um, to show what else goes on in hell. And it seemed like Judgment kind of explored that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but at this point, Pinhead is like he's in the, you know, he's in that upper echelon of horror movie icons. Yeah. You can't mention, you know, Freddy and Jason and Leatherface without Pinhead coming up. Sure. And I think that's part of the reason that Clive Barker himself and a lot of like hardcore Hellraiser fans, like I'm talking about like people who are like a fan of the Hellbound Heart, and like all those original works by Clive Barker um, while they were kind of disappointed in the franchise to begin with, because in those Pinhead was a character, but he wasn't like the primary focus character. Yeah. Um, That's why, like, even in the first Hellraiser, he didn't even have a name. Yeah. He's a priest. Well, in the credits, he was a lead Cenobite. Hmm. So, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'll probably see it just because why not? Yeah. I'll probably see it because you're making Oh, uh, you'll have fun. So, Illphonic, who is one of the companies responsible for the Friday the 13th video game, mm-hmm. along with Gun Media, uh, they are moving back into the horror genre with a new game called Predator Colon Hunting Grounds. Yeah, dude. Hunting the Predator's Colon. Uh, it is uh, described as an asymmetric multiplayer game that will pit one group of players against the Predator, who will be played by one different player. For the group of players, they will control a fire team who has access to a plethora of weapons, shotguns and SMGs to sniper rifles and more. So it sounds kind of similar to Friday the 13th. It sounds pretty much identical to Friday the 13th. <laughs> uh, I mean, with the exception being that like 
they have access to all these weapons. Whereas in Friday the 13th, you have to find weapons. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it sounds pretty much the same. Exactly. We could probably just reskin the game and <laughs> call it the same thing. Or, yeah. Uh, the fire team is taking out bad guys while the player controlling the predator has to track and surprise attack players on the group of. What? Am I wrong in thinking that sentence doesn't make any sense? Okay, I'm just going to read it verbatim and you guys figure it out. <laughs> the fire team is taking out bad guys while the player controlling the predator has to track and surprise attack players on the group of players. Yep. <laughs> the predator, of course, has an advanced vision mode which aids in the tracking and ambushing. Plus camouflaging. And he goes... <laughs> That's terrible. terrible. That's really bad. I can't do it. Probably a click. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think human beings can make it with that noise. That's better. It's better than what you did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll speed that up and post it. Sound better. <laughs> You're just going to superimpose the actual noise and be like, oh, yeah, I did it. That's me. I did that with my mouth. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, this is going to be coming out sometime next year. So uh, look for it on PS4. Just, all right, just PS4. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Fuck other systems. Fuck Xbox. Fuck PC players. I mean, I have friends who are PC players, and I love you guys, but at the same time, fuck you. You're just so fucking snobby. It makes me sick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have an opinion on this. You, you and your Steam. And your LAN parties. Are those still things? Do you still have LAN parties? I don't think so. Hey, let's all get in the same room and not talk to each other. <laughs> Let's hook up several TVs instead of just playing together. Let's all chat while we're in the same room. <laughs> so, Losers. The best part about this is that you'll have some like 12-year-old kid playing as the Predator being like, Yeah, fuck you, homo! Yeah, man. Like, you shouldn't talk like that. Like, fuck you! Have I told this story before? Like, oh, I, I told it... Uh, no. Oh, it... Um, at Crypticon, when I was doing the Friday the 13th panel, we were talking about the game. I was talking about how it's so fucked up because I'm so bad at the game. Like, whether I'm playing as Jason or as the campers, I'm fucking shit at it. But it's like, yeah, invariably we'll have some fucking little kid who's playing Jason, and he'll just come up and just kill the fuck out of me and then talk so much shit. That's why I don't play online games. Because I, I know I'm bad at just everything. I'm just terrible at video games. Yeah. For me, it's it's mechanics. I, I can't get a hang on it. Yeah. Like, I get frustrated enough when I lose to the computer. I don't need some little cunt telling me how much I suck. <laughs> be telling me to get a life because he's better at video games than me, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> or like, get the fuck out of here. Fuck you, I paid for this game too. <laughs> With my money, not your parents. He's like, yeah, why, don't you, why don't you go get, take some Geritol? I'm like, hey. Maybe I will. <laughs> anyway. She's like, hey, why don't you go touch a boob? I'll go touch your mom's boob. Alright, that's solid. That's solid. Come back, kid. Got you. Oh, shit. <laughs> Find out where you live. Fuck your mom. <laughs> I'll do it, too. 
Someone, I want to be your new daddy. <laughs> For like five minutes, and then you'll never see me again. You don't have to like me, but you have to respect me. <laughs> or I'll beat it into you. Okay. 2020, you said that. I did. Okay. All right, so over in uh, the UK, across the pond, yep, um, there is a a little horror. Horror? It's like, are you trying to sound horror? I don't know why I said it that way. It just, just kind of came out that way. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> There's a little horror film festival known as Grim, uh, Grimfest, um, uh, located in Manchester. Um, and, uh, it's headed up by Simeon Halligan and Rachel Richard Jones, Richardson Jones, and they have branched out into starting their own production company called Grimfest Films. Um, the company is going to, uh, develop, produce, and partially finance feature films and streaming content from filmmakers who have premiered work at the festival. Makes sense. That's a rad idea. It is. Um, we should do that once we have money. Yeah, we, we don't have money. We'll never have money. We made some money last year. Yeah, but we need. We're gonna need it to finance this year. Yeah, exactly. Unless we can get like a lot of sponsors that want to give us more money. Yeah, which probably would happen. Probably. Say, hey Nike, you want to? (laughs) Sure. Put a swoosh on the poster. For a thousand dollars, we'll just make the entire post poster a swoosh, and you pay us for it. (laughs) Um, just a swoosh. Great black film festival. (laughs) It is a cool idea, though. Um, because you know a lot of films like they'll they'll send in people will send their their short films to film festivals or or features even into film festivals, and it's just so they can get it in front of eyeballs to hopefully get financing, financing. Um, distribution or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so for it to be kind of a one stop shop, that's uh, that, that's beneficial. To, I think, I mean, obviously the filmmakers, but even the festival itself, because it kind of helps build their reputation all the way, I think. Yeah. Um, and it kind of gives, I think, uh, a big point of notoriety for a lot of festivals, one that we'll probably never have, uh, is uh, debuting. Like a mm, lot yeah. of filmmakers save, a lot of filmmakers save their films for debuting at larger festivals and then from there and then on they kind of taper off to the smaller festivals that's where we come in <laughs> but um this might help build their recognition to help get a lot of those premieres um you know, first runs so they kind of become like the place to go for i, I presume horror films um grim fest development slate includes chuck russell's Witchboard. Uh, which is a remake or a reimagining of the horror movie from the uh, from 1986. Uh, Chuck Russell, that's a name that people, they may not know the name, but they know his movies. Uh, he directed The Mask, he did. for instance. And um, Dream he, he, Warriors! Yeah. And uh, uh, The Scorpion King. 
Actually, he did do the remake of The Blob. Right. Um, which was one of the best uh, remakes. Yeah, the, the Blob, The Mask, and Dream Warriors are probably his, his uh, three most prominent films. And Back to School. With Rodney? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he directed that. It's awesome. Um, it's a... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited to see him working again. He hasn't really done much lately, as far as I know. Uh, he did a movie called Jungly. Jungly. <laughs> um, and I Am Wrath with John Travolta. Uh, cool. Anyway, um, but also in the works are or is a Deathgasm Part Two. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, which ju- that news of that just popped up like what last week, week before. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, the movie's been out for two years, something like that. Yeah, we did review on it, or I did a review on it. I forget what episode, but if you want to see our thoughts, ch- check it out. Look it up. Yeah, go over to greatplotpodcast.com and go to the the episodes link. It's there. You just find it. Yeah, just find the poster. You click on the poster and it takes you to the episode. Yeah. The poster. Yeah. It all starts at the poster. Right. Oh, you just click it. What's wrong with this? You just click it. You tap it if you're on your phone. Uh, this year's Grimfest is running from October 3rd. God damn. October 3rd to 6th. Um, over in... Uh, Jolly old England. In Manchester City. Manchester. Manchester City or Manchester United fan there, Tony? Man- Manchester United. Because if you're not a Mank, you're a wank. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, you going to sing me the Manchester United uh, fight song? <laughs> My baby takes the morning train. He works from nine till five and then... He takes another home again. Oh, fuck. I can't remember. I know that, but what they say in the movie. Oh, something like, to find me watching Manchester United, (laughs) the best football team in all the land. (laughs) Woo! Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Good old thing. Anyway, so, Grimfest. Check it. Death Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that more as time goes on. If you have ghosts, you have everything. If you have ghosts, you have everything you can say anything you want all right so speaking of things i'm really fucking excited about <laughs> awesome. uh tobias forge confirms that there is a feature film in the works based on the band ghost <laughs> yes <laughs> hey uh, if you guys don't know who ghost is then what are you even doing yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> They're fucking awesome. Like, if you want 
a fucking satanic like stage show mixed with awesome fucking music that sounds kind of like a new age uh blue oyster cult then you know ghost is your fucking jam you're so excited for september oh so fun i'm so glad we got tickets i know uh so poirier in an uh, interview with revolver said most films about bands are biographical and i see no reason to tell our story yet he said he still considers ghost to be in its early years and saying it's a little bit like premature ejaculation you have to have a career first and then you can tell the real story so that was never an option and when you wait wait you have to have a career before you ejaculate? Because I tell you, I was doing that way <laughs> before I had a career. I almost made it into a career. Oh, you, when you when you yank away that, what do you have? Well, that would be a fictional story. Yank. It's it's a thing. Yeah. It's, it's a tie-in. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the like the little vignettes that they did as a build-up to prequel. Those were really cool. Yeah, um, with like, there, the there's old Papa. Yeah, there's the oh, yeah um, uh, Papa, Papa Zero. Zero. Their whole gimmick is fucking awesome. Like, if you guys don't know Ghost, basically they have the lead singer who's always gone by a Papa Emeritus or Emeritus. Um, and over the years, when they've wanted to like change their image a little bit. Or if they're going to come out with a new album, basically live in front of an audience, they do this like gimmick where they kill off or um, arrest or or capture uh, the current Papa and replace him with a new one. It's always Tobias Forgate under the makeup, but he always comes back with like a new kind of a new look. It's very similar. He come, kind of comes out dressed as a, like a dark pope. Um, I mean, same like tall pope hat, and, you know, a cloak just like pope, but it's all black and, you know, adorned with like these kind of pseudo satanic symbols. Um, and uh, the whole band are the ghouls. Yeah, the faceless they're faceless cool. ghouls where they wear these chrome masks that look like uh, like demons with no, with no mouths. Um, they have a lady ghoul now. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Except she's got like this, this like, like font. Yeah, this 50s mom hairstyle. <laughs> um, on the mask. Right, yeah. Uh, but the, their legacy is pretty awesome because they've had a lot of like like guest celebrities that have set in for yeah, concerts. Yeah, Dave Grohl said he's been a ghoul. Yeah. Um, that's the only one that actually comes to mind right now, but there's a series of them, but you never know because they don't announce it. They've got a mask on and you just never know. Um, but their, their music is fucking killer. Uh, their stage show from you know what I've seen of just like concert, uh, concert uh, footage is just incredible. Um, and yeah, I'm really fucking amped to see them live. Yeah, man. Um, but the, the story that they've woven on stage is um i think that's like right for some kind of yeah film yeah currently it's cardinal copia right he's, he's not not a, a papa yet right yeah. tobias Jorge has said that this will be the first character that will carry over to the next album because he wants him to like you he wants you to see him becoming a papa mm. okay yeah and like that is another thing is all the papas have been of a bloodline 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and as as they've been deemed not worthy or whatever, um, they've kind of run out of papas, and that's where uh, um, Cardinal uh, Copia. Copia, thank you, um, where he kind of comes into play, where he's kind of like the like the only papa left is Papa Zero, who's like a thousand years old. Yeah. Just this old man and like the original Papa, although he was never actually a singer of the band. It's like, as far as the lore goes, he's like the original mm-hmm. Papa, which all the other Papas have kind of been descended from. But Cardinal Copia, he is just a Cardinal within this dark church who's just happened to be the next in line uh, to be the new Papa. And Cardinal er, uh, Papa Zero doesn't like him doesn't think he's worthy doesn't think he's appropriate uh and especially because he doesn't have the bloodline he's just some kind of you know a bastard as far as he's concerned so it's a very interesting story that they've created um yeah so i'm actually really excited like i hope this happens yeah well uh for you said the cogwheels are turning on that one we're just trying to figure out a lot of the practicalities making a film is a big endeavor Another sure. problem that I have had over the course of my <clears throat> career is that I don't have a shit ton of time. <laughs> I've learned over the years that it's really important not to do everything at once. Usually. So maybe don't get too excited yet. Sounds like it's going to be a while. Yeah. But the cog wheels are turning. Well, that's something. That is something. Yep. And I'm excited. Me too. Thumbs up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're doing this. Okay. Anyway, that's going to do it for Harvest Disguise. Um, next up, we're going to be talking about some films. So let's do <coughs> that. All right, so like we said at the top of the episode, this is our salute to Park Rangers. Because why not? It's, it's, it's a thing. Apparently. <laughs> um, we are going to be talking about uh, two new movies. Um, one is a Shutter exclusive called The Ranger. Uh, and the other is uh, one just came out. What, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, like a week or two ago. Uh, called The Body at Brighton Rock. Taylor, which one would you like to start with? Sure, point out also, uh, both directed by women. Not a conscious choice that we made, just... It is interesting. They're both directed by women, and they're both about park rangers. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Body at Brighton Rock. Got another cold front. Temperature drops overnight, can hit 25 degrees. Miss McCombs, how nice of you to join us. Remember, people, to be early is to be on time. You take the info booth, and I'll take posting signs on Hitchback Ridge. I mean, you mostly do like kitty trails, right? I'm just as qualified as you guys.
have a code zero three zero. You checked all the vital signs? Yes. I lost my map on the trail. Are there any landmarks you can see? I can see Brighton Rock. You're a long ways out there. I'm just old place. I'm like a park guy. I pick up trash and I hand out pamphlets. Wendy, you need to stay and secure the area. Ah! Is anyone else there? No, it's just me and him. There's no one else up here. You really need to leave. This is a crime scene. Thought you said it was an accident. Maybe not. When did you say help was coming? Soon. Be careful up there. That area has active wildlife warning without an exact location. They're not going to get to you before dark. Have a good night, Marshal. Body at Brighton Rock is, like I said, just the movie movie that just came out. Um, yeah, April 26th. Looks like there's a release date. Uh, directed by Roxanne Benjamin, uh, which may be a familiar name to you guys. Uh, we talked about uh, two anthology films that feature her, uh, her work. Um, one was Southbound, and the other was uh, Double X. Um, this is her feature film debut, guys. Uh, up till now, she'd only directed short films. So um, it's seems like that would always be a very nerve-wracking jump um, to you know be be prominent in short filmmaking to jump to make the jump to features. Well, especially since she wrote it too. Like, yeah, I, you know, we we've done. A, a couple of short films. And I just feel like if we were to try and jump into writing a feature, it's like, okay, how do we make this last? Yeah. And that's, you know, when I think about kind of how we could relate to that, I think about doing interviews um, or just, you know, or when I mean, we've talked about our fucking disaster of a panel at Crypticon a couple of years ago, or a few years ago, um, we were talking about Christmas or, you know, winter holiday related horror. Yuletide horror. Yeah, Yuletide horror. Um, and, you know, we managed to keep things going fairly well for half an hour because that's kind of what we were used to. Like all of our interviews are half an hour. Our film reviews are typically about half an hour each. So half an hour is just kind of like our bread and butter to host things, something for an hour was just kind of outside of our wheelhouse a little bit. So I think that had a lot to do with why we really fucking crashed and burned on that. So similarly, I think making the jump from short film to feature length is kind of like the same thing where it's just like you're very familiar with how to carry something for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes. But to do it... For, you know, three times that long, which right. is a whole other ball game. Um, and, um, yeah. So I guess, okay. Okay. So, um, basically this movie focuses on, um, what's her name? Wendy, uh, who's a park ranger. She, I don't know, 
mid twenties, late twenties. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she's a park ranger at the Brighton Rock Activity Area. Is that what it was? Recreational area. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I didn't know if you were looking to me for verification. Yes. Yes, recreational area. I'm looking at a picture now with the patch on her arm. Got it. So, um, and she's fairly inexperienced from the looks of it. Um, not terribly responsible since the movie starts with her doing a fucking... Yeah, I love the beginning of this movie. It's it's really good. It really set up the rest of the movie. You know, give me high hopes for it. Because it's got this fucking kind of 80s... Com 80s comedy movie montage of her like just booking it across the this town and in the woods and up to this uh you know um part in the national park area um all to the tune of uh, <clears throat> dead man's party so yeah you start a, start a movie out with oingo boingo and it's it's good stuff yeah it feels like a, like an 80s college movie yes where somebody's like running to get to their first class of the day. And it's right. really set up that way too, because what's going on is the entire park ranger staff is having like staff, like a safety meeting before they go out and to work for the day. And, you know, Wendy's running late and, you know, you've got her friend Maya who's sitting there in the meeting, kind of looking at her watch like, Oh God, where is she? And you know, it, yeah, it's very reminiscent of like, yeah, like college or high school comedy. Especially from the 80s. Yeah. Like back to school. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it's got fucking Oingo Boingo, which is always a fun time. Um, Let me some Oingo Boingo. That's like the only licensed song in this, though. So they must have shot their wad. On their wad. Of course, the, the, the rest of the music in it, done by The Gifted, I think I said it was. It's pretty good. Very. The whole movie. And actually, uh, similar th another similarity between the two movies we're talking about today is they are a little lost in time because they appear to take place modern day, but they've got a very old feel to them. Yeah. Like they feel very 80s, maybe even a little 70s. This one especially because like the opening credits is all, um, I can't th think of an example, but it's mainly like, old 70s horror movies like eh, not quite grindhouse but just almost in that realm where it's just like if like a single frame and they're just like flashing the credits up on the screen before they actually get to the movie um and it does that and it has like 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 dramatic acoustic music accompanying it it is very old style feel to it, which I appreciate. Um, anyway, so she gets to the meeting and, you know, she gets like kind of the, the hard looks from her, from her boss, which is basically like the equivalent of like a teacher. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because her, her boss does the roll call at the end. So by, by the time she gets her name called, she's already there and she's able to say here. Right. <clears throat> but her boss, she, was there. she wasn't there the whole time. She already knew because she's, she's got her eye on her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a little bit of foreshadowing. She's saying, you know, like, um, 
you know, be careful out there. It's you know, that time of year where the nights are getting very cold, down in the 20s. Um, and then uh, at another point, like they're putting up posters and says, you know, be, you know, watch out for frostbite, that type of thing. <clears throat> and never hike alone. Um, anyway, so they all get assigned their tasks for the day. And I forget what Wendy originally is assigned, but she takes the duties of posting flyers around the, the area from Maya because she doesn't want to do it. Because Maya wants to work with the handsome guy. Oh, right. That's right. Um, so she goes charging off into the woods. Um, just kind of dancing along to this really 80s music. Um, but it, it's funny because if you would have given her a Walkman and you know big headphones, it, you could have put this in the 80s easily. But mm -hmm. she was like listening to it on her on phone. phone, cell phone with earbuds. Um, so it's like just that small little thing jumps it forward 30, you know, three decades. Um, and, uh, Anyway, so she's just posting flyers around the woods, um, and she gets to the top of this. Oh, she she meets another guy that she works with who's like, it's kind of like a friggin' Rory from Eight Simple Rules for dating my teenage daughter. Wow. Okay, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't have pulled that. <laughs> I know he was in. Um, uh, I don't think he was in. You know, you know that movie. We talked about it on the show. It was, it was one of our early episodes, and like we watched it, and we found out it actually wasn't really horror. Um, oh, The Curse of Downers Grove? That's the one. Um, yeah, he kind of surprises her, and she just drops all of her shit, and including her map, which uh, is a little, bit of, a little bit more foreshadowing. She, she makes her way up to this peak, and she's like, all right, I made it up to... Heathbridge? Like Something like that. Heathcliff? Yeah. <laughs> um, and she you know, texts Maya this picture, like a selfie of her, like kind of overlooking this peak. And she's like, Where did you say you were? Why do I want to say it's Mission Hill? I don't think that's right. No, I swear I started with an H. Whatever it was. She's like, Where are you? That's not this place. And she was called like, Heathcliff. That's not Heathcliff. So That's Garfield. She, <laughs> uh, so she just realizes she's completely lost and she has no idea where she is. Um, and then Maya texts her again and says, Who's that guy behind you? Which is really weird because I don't think. There was think, no guy. Huh? There was no guy. Well, she doesn't go back and look at the picture, which I thought was interesting. That would be my first yeah, she move. Did. You, like it didn't show it, like her looking at it, but she was holding her phone and you could like see her like kind of oh. zoom in on it. So, um, but for her to be able, for Maya to be able to pick that out of a picture, like I, I don't think that's very likely, but it's either here nor there. Uh, there's a body down at the bottom of this peak um, or a guy laying there. He turns out to be the titular body at Brighton Rock, which is funny because she's not at Brighton Rock. The whole place is Brighton Rock. Brighton Rock Recreational Area. I guess, but there actually is a Brighton Rock there. That's true. Um, anyway. Shouldn't have called body a heat <laughs> <laughs> Uh 
she goes down to check on it, and you know, sure enough, the guy's dead. Looks like he's been there a while. Um, half of his face is kind of eaten away, and um, she tries to get in touch with people. And she, oh, weird thing I thought was that she was easily texting back and forth with Maya, um, but for some reason she couldn't get enough of a signal to find her GPS coordinates. Yeah, that was interesting too. Like, cause like it didn't seem like there was even like a delay in the text. Like they were going through. Yeah. Bing bang boom. Yeah, and then her phone dies because of course. Because it's a horror movie. Yeah. It's like, you know, I always carry an extra battery cell in my my bag, like everywhere I go. Like if I if I'm, you know, if I'm gonna be like out on vacation and I'm walking around, I always bring my backpack and I've always got another you know, uh, battery cell so I can charge my phone if I need it. It was like the first thing I thought of too when you started listening to music. And I was like, that's going to eat your battery. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. That's <laughs> bad news. Um, but, I mean, she is a park ranger, and she does have a pack that um, will, you know, with, with supplies to keep her okay for, for an overnight stay anywhere. Um, but... She does manage to contact her home base on a, a, a walkie-talkie, and they say, "Okay, well, you got to stay with the body, and we can't come up there till morning." So, yeah, they're like, "If we come now, we're not going to get there before dark, so we're not going to come now." Yeah, I'd be like, "Okay, I'm leaving then." Yeah, and the, the movie would have been over. Like, if if it was me, like, all right, well, I'm leaving, so. We better send somebody else up here. Yeah, if they were like, you know, oh, you got to stay with the body, but we can't get through to that. I'm like, well, one of those things is not going to happen. Yeah. And she, like, argues back and forth with this guy. She's like, you fucking crazy. I'm not staying here overnight. And he's like, you have to. She's like, well, well if I have to. <laughs> She's like, damn it, I have to. <laughs> like, the fuck I am. <laughs> it's like, hopefully you guys can come find this body on your own tomorrow. Because I'm sure shit not going to be here. But she stays, and um, and that's kind of most of what happens. The rest of the movie is not particularly interesting. You want to talk about the other guy? Well, yeah. I mean, he so this other guy pops up, um, kind of out of nowhere, and she sees him like over, like looking at the body. So she runs back down the hill. Um, says, "Hey, you know this this could be a." crime scene back off he's like oh, i don't know it's like uh, you know yeah it doesn't or he says it doesn't look like a crime scene to me and you know it looks like maybe he just fell down the rocks and it's like it's it's, it's like this exchange that isn't particularly interesting or informative or anything like he finds a cell phone in the guy's pocket and he's like oh no it's dead it's like okay well that's useful information <laughs> um and uh then he just or she tells him to get lost, and he takes off, and we don't see him again until towards the end of the movie. He was very kind of unsettling, though. He was, and you kind of think through the entire movie that maybe he'll come back, and maybe that was a little bit of a spoiler that he doesn't. I mean, well, he does, and I'll, I'll leave that part for for the viewer's eyes. But <clears throat> um, most, I mean, most of the movie is just uh, Wendy up in the woods by herself overnight. And, you know, the most horrific things that occur are just like 
her the 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 tension that she's feeling like it's kind of trying to translate that to to uh, an image that you can kind of receive is just how tense she feels she's being she's up in the woods by herself she doesn't really know exactly where she is she can't get her gps coordinates she lost her map so it's like even when she's radioing, radioing for help, she can't tell them exactly where she is. Um, and that's kind of part of the reason they didn't come to find her. It's like, well, we can't come look for you in the dark. Right. So we got to wait till morning. Um, and. Uh, but she's basically like out in the elements. Like she, there was a tent, but she didn't actually get back in it. Well, yeah, it's like it was, I think it was just. I don't know if it was actually confirmed or just assumed that the tent belonged to the guy. Right. And like he, she radioed the home base and said, Oh, hey, right. They told her not to. Yeah. She's like, I found this tent. I was like, well, was there anybody, was there anybody else? She's like, no, I went inside to, to see if there's anything, anybody else in there. It's like, you went inside. Um, like basically saying, Oh, you could have contaminated this crime, a possible crime scene. Because like they didn't know at the time if it was foul foul play or if the guy just fell off the cliff or if he was attacked by an animal or what. Right. Um. Anyway, but yeah, like like seventy five percent of this movie is really just Wendy in the woods, kind of scaring herself, and that's fine at first, but it, that really gets overplayed fast. Like it starts to get less and less interesting, like with every passing minute. Yeah. Um. To where, this is where where I'm saying, like, in that that panel, that Yuletide panel, where we started losing steam and losing things to talk about. That's where it was very familiar to me, in this movie, where it seemed like things started to kind of dry up, where. All the interesting stuff was at the beginning and at the end, and mm -hmm. in the middle it was just fluff. Um, and that was, I mean, that was really kind of disappointing. Like the ending, like it, it picked up a little bit, um, and was a little more interesting. Um, I don't understand the ending. Like I understand what happened, but I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't. There were so many red herrings in this movie um, to where you kind of start to lose track of not what's real, but what's relevant, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it just really started to fall flat uh, for me um, to a point where like there, there was a point where she's sitting there next to the body and like she just started a campfire and so she's sitting up next to this tree and i can't remember if she like hears a noise or if it's like the wind blowing or something but something prompts her to get up and she walks through the woods and she ends up walking back to this guy's campsite again which looks like it's been just tossed over like he had like a cooler that had been opened and like the, the just the whole campsite looked like it had been ravaged um and i had to re-watch that part like four times just because i didn't i didn't understand if i was missing something or if that was just a completely irrelevant scene um i just i couldn't get my mind wrapped around why this was 
a thing, like why I needed to care. Um, but I kept, I was worried that I was missing something. Um, I, just, I was getting so disengaged that I kept zoning out and then it'd come to the scene again. <laughs> it's like, I would just back it up like 30 seconds before that part started. And like in that time, I would start spacing out. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Um, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but there was all these points where like something would happen and it would seem completely out of left field. Mm -hmm. And then it would all be a dream. Yeah. That happens more than once. Yeah. And it's just like that gag was, that was a one shot deal. Like you use it two times and it's just like, we know what's happening. Yeah. Like the first time it happened, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Is this a different kind of movie now? Exactly. But at the same time, I was just like, I mean, okay. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's an interesting twist. Yeah. Let's, like maybe we'll finally get something going here. Yeah. Let's, let's keep, let's go down this path. But then it wasn't. No. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I it could have, but when it first started, I was like, this is a dream, right? Yeah. But then like it kept going for so long that I was like, no, maybe this is actually real. Right. No, like, I don't remember if I, if it, we were just talking about this or if I actually said it on air, but the movie is very dark. Like, and not thematically, like the picture is very yeah. dark. Yeah, I had, to, I had to turn up the brightness on my TV, and it's, I still had trouble seeing it. Yeah, and like, you know, my living room during the day is very well lit because the sun comes up, like, right right over it. And, uh, you know, I've got curtains in here, but it's the, the sun still just beats in, so my living room is very bright pretty much all day. Um, and so I'm trying to watch the TV, and all I'm getting is just all this light reflection off of my walls and stuff and it's like i can't fucking see what's happening because this entire scene is lit by a flashlight it's like I, guys even though the scene takes at night you gotta light it a little bit just so we can fucking see it yeah we gotta at least be able to tell what's going on yeah if you want to have just somebody walking <clears throat> through the woods and you're just like trying to build tension with like maybe it's like, oh, God, is something going to hop out? Are we going to see what's going to happen? Are, you, are, are we not going to be able to see something be able to like, jump out at her? Uh, that's one thing. But if you're going to like have things happening in the scene, if she's going to be like interacting with set pieces and stuff like that. It's like you got to light the fucking thing. Yeah. Otherwise, we don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, and it's like that's something – I didn't really acknowledge all that much until we um, did they reach because so much of it was at night and seeing like all the, the lighting that goes into even night shots is like seeing the importance of it. Yeah. Um, it's like that was some severely missed um, technical aspects in this. Anyway, um, anything else specific you want to talk about? No, not really. Um, I mean, you know, credit to uh, Karina Fontes. It's 
you know, carrying a movie more or less by yourself is, yeah. is no easy task. And I think she does a good job. This is her debut, I think. Oh, is it? I'm pretty sure this is her first first feature film. Even more impressive. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, just you know, being more or less the only person for the vast majority of the movie, I think she did very well in you know being able to portray emotion when you're not talking to someone and yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I just like you said, the, the middle felt like they were just kind of like shoving things in mm -hmm. to, to get more length. The the multiple dream sequences really kind of irritated me. And it's like Wait. You can't just have somebody doing nothing for 20 minutes and and call it a film. Like it's just watching the same. You may as well just be the same fucking frame for that long because nothing's happening. And sh I mean, okay, you're building tension, but it's like the tension doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Like you you don't use it. <laughs> well, like. You know, not to hamper on this too much, but so much of the tension was broken by her waking up. Yeah. Um, and I we're I, kind of snapping too, because I don't think she ever really fell asleep. And I don't know if it was like sleep deprivation that was making her go crazy, or I don't know. But and then the end, I would just I didn't understand. It just kind of came out of left field. I was just like, but why? Yeah. I think this could have made a very good um well not, not very good but you know a, a decent short film yeah if they would have cut out almost the entire middle of the film and just made it like a half hour 20 minute long short she's like the beginning and the end it could have been pretty interesting but the entire middle it just like it was a slope it, it was just the entire film was just dragging yeah um it's like it, it dragged to the point where it's like it got to the point, it got to the end. And even when the end started to get a little more interesting, just like, it was, I guess I was already sh just shut off. Like, it's like, you know, okay, whatever. It's the end now. I can turn this off. Yeah. I don't know. I was really disappointed because I really like um, uh, Roxanne Benjamin's, I keep saying Benjamin. Benjamin. Um, I, like, I like her work. So far, I like I liked her shorts on uh, in Southbound. I liked uh, her bit in Double um, X, uh, and I like really gunning for like to get into features. Um, this one was just kind of a letdown, I guess. But she wrote, directed, and produced this. And that's something. The longer we do this show. And, you know, the more movies I take in, the more I, I pay attention to, like, the production team um, and, you know, you know, people that kind of build their reputations, people I start to kind of familiarize myself with. Um, and especially having worked on They Reach, you know, worked in a, in a actually a feature film capacity, um, seeing how important it is to have that team rather than having one person do the whole thing. Because it's a really, it's a system of checks and balances. Yeah. Like. That's a good point. You know, you have, you have a writer and director, that's kind of one thing. But when you have a writer, director, producer, 
Like there's really nobody saying, hey, this isn't really working. Maybe we should reevaluate this. And I, I think this was probably really affected by that. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Anyway, I don't know. Like I, you know, I, I liked, I liked it. I liked the, you know, I thought the tension was well done, but it just, so much of it was just fake. And it was like, the story here is that she keeps having dreams. That's not really a story. Yeah. I mean, when it boils down to it, the only thing this is, is her being stuck in the woods overnight. Yeah. That's it. There's, there's nothing supernatural. There's nothing out to, to get her. Well, I mean, um, it's, it's just her in her own head, which can be good, but this just didn't really deliver. I yeah. Guess. So, anyway. I mean, Benjamin's next project is supposed to be the remake of Night of the Comet. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that since it's a remake, it's it's easier for her to you know tell a complete story. Yeah, it might be easier to kind of get a foothold in yeah, like like a story that's already there. Like the, the framework is already there for her to work from. Right. And maybe from that she can kind of get the experience to to do this again on her own. Like you said, it it just it does feel like someone coming from short stories doing their first feature. Yeah. Or it's like, I mean, you say short stories, even like authors. Authors that predominantly write short stories trying to write their first full-length book or you know, like, a, like a full-length novel. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of the same thing. You kind of start to droop in the middle because you don't really know how to carry out that story for an entire, you know, 300 plus pages. Anyway, but like I'm still a fan of Roxanne Benjamin. I'm really gunning for her. Or not gunning, that's not the right term. I'm really rooting, rooting for her. Um, yeah, like I said, I think I think it was well directed. I think it was you know other than being really dark, it was well shot. Um, and like I said, the tension is good. It's it's just the middle story part with it yeah. altered. All right. That good? Good enough for me. All right. Um, I think I'll give it a four. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a five. Okay. I, I think it was it was a well made movie for sure. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, it, it looked nice. It, it was well shot and. It, it was made competently, which was most important. Yeah, and it did invoke the feelings that they wanted to invoke in me, at least. Yeah, I mean, the tension was definitely there. Yeah. It's just, it's like the tension, it didn't keep building tension. It's like, it, like there was tension there. It ebbed and flowed. Yeah, and it, well, it's just like, okay, oh, build all this tension, and now carry that tension to the end of the movie. <laughs> it's like, eventually the, the tension kind of tapers off. It's just like, all right, let's let's get on with it here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, Body at Brighton Rock. Yep. Yeah. 
it's it's in theaters, but like it's a very Ooh. small release, yeah. Um, but it is on VOD, so yeah, I watched it on Google Play. It's it's an expensive rental. Seven dollars. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to paying like three, four bucks. <laughs> Well, anyways, uh, moving on to our next movie, which is a Shutter streaming exclusive, or you can get it in Redbox. It's The Ranger. About what happened. We did what we could. No one will know. You're a wolf, Chelsea. Don't you ever forget that. And don't you ever forget me. Welcome to the happiest night of your life. Briggs, <laughs> go, we out. Stabbing a cop is serious time. Chelsea's got a place in the woods. My uncle died. <laughs> You really want to be a part of this? Like classic outlaws. Yo, Chelsea, that guy bothering you? The mountain's closed. It's Chelsea's mountain. She's got a house up there. Chelsea, tell him. How about that? Yo, it actually exists. Here's being alive. Hey! Do you remember me? It's all kind of a blur. How'd you end up with a crowd like that? Don't be me. Girl, I remember we'd be running with them kind of kids. I mean, we should leave this place. Relax. I mean, it was a really bad idea. Our friend's been shot. We need to get her to a hospital. We can't get her to a hospital. Well, we have to try. Best to put her out of her misery. Sorry, kids. Gotta keep the forest clean. Yeah, I think this was initially announced to be streaming on Shutter like in October of last year or something. It's, you were talking about it a long time ago. Yeah, and it took a really long time for it to actually finally come to Shutter, and they they kept saying, you know, it's going to be the Shutter's going to be the exclusive home of this movie. And like I said, it started coming out in Redbox, I think, in February. Oh, really? Yeah. And so but then it was like Shutter is the exclusive streaming home mm. of the Ranger. So whatever. Uh, this is directed by Jen Wexler and written by Jen Wexler and someone else. Even though I don't have in front of me, Jocko Frino. What was that first name? Jocko. Jocko? G-I-A-O. G-I-A-C-O. Is that Italian? It is Italian. Uh, Jen Wexler, what has she done? Is this her directorial debut? I want to say so. I know she's a producer on Darling. Yeah, I know she did some produce, producing. Producing? <laughs> yeah, two uh, shorts. Is, yeah. Slumber Party and Halloween Bash. Not familiar with either of those, unfortunately. So, again, feature uh, directorial debut. So this, like Tony was saying 
you know, it doesn't really specify what era it takes place in. You get the feeling it is supposed to be current day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the, the kids are like, they're straight out of some 80s crush punk movie. The, Except it wasn't quite there. They didn't quite get the punks right. How so? Uh, they were too clean for starters. Um, and uh, they were too um, dopey, I guess. Like all the punks I knew, and like I didn't know a lot of them. Like I just didn't. I wasn't in that scene too much. But like all the punks I ever knew, like like the dirty crust punks, were all very intense. Like they took themselves very seriously, which I never really considered very punk. But the, um, I don't know. And maybe it's just the punks I knew. Maybe that's not really helped all the more. Do you remember your punk name? Nope. Damn it. Mine was good. Yeah. These these people don't have like cool punk names. One of them does. Uh, <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> yeah. So our lead is is uh, Chelsea, played by Chloe Levine from the OA. Uh, her boyfriend Garth, and then Abe and Jerk. All right. Those those are our punks. Abe and Jerk are lovers yeah interracial gay couple how progressive (laughs) which no i mean like i i'm busting chops but it's interesting to see i mean that there are two things that put this in the modern era like for sure for me was actually three things cell phone obviously um uh earbud air headphones and that because I feel like in the 80s, uh, there probably weren't a lot of gay couples. much more positive, yeah. Yeah. Like, I I don't think punks were... And, like, I, I could be talking out of my ass here, but I think back then, punks weren't prog- weren't especially progressive. Yeah. They were just all about anarchy. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like I said, maybe I'm talking out of my ass. Well, and I mean, also, you don't see, stereotypically, you don't see a lot of black punks. Not really, no. Except for Meshach Taylor. Right. Um, yeah, so they're just, like, hanging out in some abandoned warehouse or something. I don't know where the fuck they were. But they were having some rave party thing, doing drugs off each other. And uh, what was that? Just some made-up shit? I, I don't know, because they were snorting it and rubbing it on their teeth, which gives me the perception of cocaine. You know, I mean, it could have been any of, like, the, the more popular powder drugs. Yeah. <laughs> because they were sh- uh, smoking it. They're also shooting it. Yeah, they're they're snorting it, sh- uh, smoking it, and shooting it. Um, so. And it was pink. That's what was throwing me. Yeah. Because <laughs> cocaine is not pink. No. Well, last time I checked, anyway. I mean, I guess it could be meth. I don't think meth is pink. I think meth is whatever color you want it to be. I think it's usually brown. Like poop. Yep. Sometimes it's blue. Sometimes it's blue. <laughs> like it ranges typically from like brown to clear. How do you know? Where'd you learn that? Drug school? <laughs> um, yeah, they're doing some kind of drugs. And uh, <clears throat> the police show up, do this big massive raid. And this this cop has Garth cornered, 
and instead of just going to prison or whatever, he's like, you're not taking me alive, copper. <laughs> so he stabs the cop. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea steals the cop's gun. Because why don't? Why not? Yeah. Points it at him, but doesn't pull the trigger. She seems like she wants to, but doesn't. Yeah. And this movie really starts to give away the ending, like, almost from the beginning. Yeah. Or, like, there's, like, a big reveal. And it gets to, the, to that point where she's like, didn't I already know that? I'm not sure I know what you mean. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, oh, I forgot. There's also Amber. That's another one of the things. Right. So they are all now on the lamb. They all pile into Amber's van, which is just covered in graffiti and says, you know, fuck the police and Ronald Reagan is a communist or whatever on it. Generic punk phrases. Yeah. Fuck Bush Anarchy. Fuck Bush Anarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. That's an inside joke. Uh, um, But so they, they head out to Chelsea's uncle's cabin. She has not been back to since her uncle died. Her uncle Larry Fessenden. I, <laughs> I haven't seen him pop up in a movie in a while. At least not the ones we've watched. Yeah. And okay, textures. Um. Yeah. So they're they're going out there to to hide out. We keep getting flashbacks of Larry Fessenden and the girl from the new Cut Cemetery playing a young Chelsea. That's who that was. She looked so familiar, and I couldn't place her. Yeah. And then she's also, young Chelsea also, we also get flashbacks of her talking to this ranger, who's basically just, yeah, I don't know, he's kind of creepy. That's, it was like a cold open. She, oh, that's right. That was before that. Yeah, she's, it opens up, they're sitting by a lake. And you kind of get the impression that, like, he's her dad. Yeah, or uncle or cousin or, yeah, some kind of relation. or Yeah. Yeah, he he's very, like, you know, like. We gotta stick together, kid. Thing. Yeah. Let me go make you a sandwich. Yeah. He cuts the crust off. What a big fucking hunting <laughs> knife. So they go up to the cabin. They're hanging out. And oh, actually, on their way to the cabin, they stop at the delicatessen, and creepy ranger guy is there. Yeah, and so this guy. They're at his cabin, and like up to this point, you still kind of think that there's some kind of relation, like, you know, family or one sort or another. But then uh, the cops come to his house or to his cabin. and Oh, you're back at the cold open. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, presumably take him away. So, yeah. And it, it, it's weird when they reintroduce him because they don't really make a thing out of it. Yeah, there's like no mention of where he went or why he went there. Or... And she doesn't like, she doesn't react. Well, she kind of like goes within herself, but she's not like, hey, I don't want that guy to see me or doesn't say anything to her friends about it. Doesn't really try and sneak out. Like she just tries to walk past him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was downplayed enough to the point where it's like, I mean, that's the same actor, but is this supposed to be a different Person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he, he stops her because, oh, she had a map, and so he stopped her and decides to say, are you lost? And 
all her friends start being assholes for no reason whatsoever. Because fuck the police. Because fuck the police. Yeah. Even though he's not the police. Oh, yeah. He's basically saying, you know, you can't go up on my mountain because it's my mountain and I'm the mountain man. Mountains. And they're like, well, Chelsea here owns a cabin on the mountain, so it's her property. So fuck you. He's like, oh, Chelsea, it's you. I recognize you now. Yeah. Even though you look nothing like you did yeah. when you were a child. It's almost like you're a completely different person. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was the pink hair. That's what that's what Yeah, not the fact that she, like, doesn't look anything like the child version of herself and she has curly hair now. Yeah. For some reason. No, just because it's pink. <laughs> but so they go along their merry way. And uh, she goes off and she's kind of, you know, having a moment. And you start hearing gunshots go off. So she runs back, and her idiot friends are spray painting trees and starting fires and just being all around assholes. Yeah, and she's like taking it personally too because she still has like an emotional connection to this place. Right. And I mean, even if she didn't, it's like, you know, we're on the lam for murder. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do things that draw attention to ourselves. <laughs> Not just murder, murder of a cop. Mm-hmm. But so then all of a sudden their boombox explodes and uh, Amber gets shot in the head. In, 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 in the head? <laughs> you shot me, Dennis! You shot me in the head! <laughs> oh, okay. And it turns out Ranger nice guy is he's he's a real stickler for the rules. Mm-hmm. That's basically everything that happens in this movie is him being like, well, you you know you didn't follow this rule, you know, statute forty two a, blah blah blah. So now I'm gonna fuck so, you up in some far fetched way. Yeah. So now I'm just gonna shoot you in the head. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's the way he is. The way he kills people isn't really far fetched. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Again, so much of this movie is spent building up to really nothing. I, yeah. This one, it's kind of, you know, how we talk about Brighton Rock is almost like this bell curve that dipped in the middle and came back. Mm -hmm. This one just kind of like went however it was going to go and then it just kind of ended yeah <laughs> it wasn't like this i mean there was a semi-dramatic moment at the end but it wasn't didn't build up like it should have in my opinion yeah and so much of the like most of the movie was all set up yeah like it was all so okay so you got this core uh, this core of characters, there's five of them. And you kind of think that'd be plenty to go around to kind of space out getting killed throughout the movie, but they pretty much all get killed in the end. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> um, I didn't realize it was a spoiler until it was coming out of my mouth. Um, but um, it's just there, there's a lot of a lot of nothing in the middle. It's basically just these kids acting like complete assholes. And yeah. it's like, like, I don't know if the point was to like really build them up as 
annoying and obnoxious and just terrible people so that when they get their comeuppance, you're kind of like, yay, mm-hmm. dead people, go murderer. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's kind of the, the thing is you're rooting for this psychopath. Yeah. But he's not particularly. He's not likable either. Yeah, we're interested. Like his whole gimmick is that he just really wants to enforce the rules, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really like. He, there's no interesting kills. Like you think if you know he's basing them on these rules, maybe there would be a way that he could kill them in an apt way. But all the time he just shoots them. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's, it's fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a pretty heinous uh, bear trap scene. Yeah. That's probably the most uh, interesting attack slash, well, it's not really death, but. Yeah. Um, I keep seeing people like talk about, oh, it's like this throwback to 80s slashers. And I'm like, is it though? Like the guy uses a shotgun for most of his kills. That's not really a slasher. Like slashers get got to get their hands dirty, you know? Yeah. It, just because you uh, introduce like a, like a throwback element as far as like, um design and <clears throat> like um like camera work and like there's a lot of like neon colors especially at the beginning um which really introduced like an 80s feel to it but that really didn't carry on throughout the movie and i don't know it wasn't a very compelling character as far as killers go um it's like you didn't hate the characters enough to root for their deaths and you weren't really rooting for them to survive either it's i just kind of felt nothing chelsea is the only one in this movie that's really like like that you want to see succeed yeah and that's only because she's like the main character well i mean she's more sympathetic than all the others she's still like doing drugs and you know but you know, at one point, Garth does say, you're, you're just a tourist. Like, this isn't, you're not about that life. Yeah. Like, whatever, dude. Just... It's a cool jacket, dude. Yeah, shut the fuck up. It's like something, like, <laughs> like I said, they weren't dirty enough. Like, this kid, Garth, like, he's he's got, like, the, the punk uniform. He's wearing, like, the leather jacket with, like, a painted Actually, it wasn't even painted. Like, it looked like just blue leather. Yeah. Like, something you go to. Hot topic. Like hot topic, or go to like the leather jacket store and just buy that right off the rack. Whereas, you know, if you see like some hardcore like crust punks, you know, they've got their fucked up jackets that they probably got from their dad or something. Pulled out of a garbage can or yeah. something. Just covered in studs, which just this one was. But like, you know, they've got like they took like they would take like paint markers and like sew patches and buttons and shit onto it and just like chains all over the fucking place it's like they went fucking balls of the wall with their goddamn jackets like they you know like draw like big fucking band logos and shit Patches on the back and, and, yeah um, pens. this one seriously was the cleanest fucking punk jacket i'd ever seen yeah on top of that you know he's got like the skinny jeans with the cuffs at the bottom and the combat boots like okay but those combat boots look brand new and he's wearing this shirt that's got like it's all stretched out around the collar you know, it's got like a tear, like where the where the actual collar kind of ripped away from the rest of the shirt. It's like it looks pretty standard punk, but it's like stark white. It's like so clean. And it's just like that's what I'm saying. Like, and this kid was like super clean cut. Like I think maybe he had like a 
you know, his shitty five o'clock shadow, but it's like his hair is all nicely coiffed and it's just, they looked too clean for yeah. punks. Um, that, that really bothered me, like probably more than it should have, but it just carried out through the movie. It's like, these are fucking teenagers that don't even know. They probably never even met a punk in their life trying to play punks. Well, like uh, when the ranger first stops him, he's like, you know, it's hunting season, so make sure you wear bright colors. And Amber like points at her blue hair and is like, bright enough for you? Yeah. And it's like, look at me. I have bright colored hair because I'm a punk. Yeah. Like, I don't know. She. You know what? The. Like, I think, like, the quintessential representation of, like, real punks, like, like where you think the actors were seriously about that life was like SLC punk. Mm-hmm. Like I bought every single character in that movie as like a real authentic punk. Even David Sawa. Even David Sawa. <laughs> but um, more uh, recently, uh, Green Room. Yep. Like perfect. Like that. That was like. Punk to a T. I just watched that again last week. Did you? I, I haven't seen it since we reviewed it. I remember it being really good. I don't know why I haven't watched it again. Um, Patrick Stewart drops the end bomb. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> that made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I wonder how uncomfortable it made him feel. I don't know. I mean, he's an actor. I mean, he's like a fucking seasoned actor. But yeah. it's like fucking... Captain Picard dropping an end bomb like a hard R. She's like, Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, kind of shudder. Anyway, um, yeah, it, like just throughout this movie, these kids like act try to act like punks, and it's like you're a bitch. But yeah, they are. Like they act. Yeah, they they they. they, 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 they Check all the boxes. Other than yeah, their clothes are, you know, they they look like they went shopping at a punk clothing store. Yes, like they looked like they shopped at Hot Topic, you know, when it was still the weird 15, store fifteen years ago. Yeah, um, before it was all just like band shirts, band shirts and, and Funko Pops, yeah, and anime shit. Anyway, yeah, like. I liked this movie, but it was like every aspect of it I felt could have been better. Yeah. It left, every element of it left something to be desired. Yeah, it's like, I like this, but I could love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, whereas like, Body of Brighton Rock, it had these good parts like the beginning and the end, but there's so much in the middle where nothing fucking happened. This had those elements and like it wasn't like I said it was a little soft in the middle uh, also but it had stuff that could have been used to fill in those gaps and it just wasn't like it, it could have amplified you know like I said introduce more or if there were more characters involved you could have had more you know a higher body count um, I definitely could have gone for some more gore yeah Especially you know, like what's supposed to be kind of like a slasher movie, yeah, for all intents and purposes. Um, like one character gets tied to a chair or a, to a tree and left for the wolves. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, let's see the wolves fucking eat this person then. Yeah, let's see that shit. Yeah, for sure. 
<clears throat> yeah, there, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that had some good potential and it just never really delivered. Yeah. Which is yeah, kind of disappointing. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know if it's a budget thing or, but I've seen movies with lower budget than this with more gore and more effects and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I liked the story. I liked where it went. There, I mean, like I liked what the story had to offer. I wish that they had kind of squeezed more out of it. Um, it looked, it was shot well. I really liked the. I, something I wish they would have carried through the rest of the movie was that kind of like, um, like a lot of that ambient light was like like kind of like a neon blue or purple or like a neon pink. So it like kind of translated this 80s movie feel. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like the movie itself wasn't explicitly 80s, but it had like this 80s veneer on it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they didn't really use that enough. It was really prominent in the beginning. Yeah. Like especially during that, that punk show, um, it was a real strong 80s vibe. And I, and again, when the when these when uh, jerk he he goes back down to that convenience store, and there's like like the kind of like pinkish purple yeah. ambient light, um, but I, I wish they would have used that more, because because I kind of liked that as a aesthetic, it, like as yeah as a visual aesthetic, even though it wasn't especially important to the story, it was just kind of a nice thing to see. Yeah, I get that. Um. Yeah, and then there's a couple things in the climax that I just didn't understand at all. I was just like, "What is the point of this?" <laughs> yeah, the ending, like there's supposed to be a big twist or like a big reveal that, like I said earlier, it's like, well, "Wasn't I already supposed to know this?" Because you made it pretty obvious. Um. And, uh, yeah, this kind of suffered from when they, when, when you, when you think they've killed off the bad guy, but he keeps coming back. It's like, sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And this is one of those times where it's just like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> the club dread. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, you know, basically to underline my main point is I, I think this movie is good, but it, there was definitely potential for it to be better. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So I think I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I think I'm there too. Like that kind of middle of the road, you know, like this is good. It, it wasn't bad. Yeah. But it had a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. Um, like to the point where it's just like these are mark these are marks that were missed. Yeah, like some movies you watch and you're like, well, this is just bad. There's no fix in this. Yeah. But like this one, it's like this is good. It definitely could be bad. Yeah. So that's it. All right, dogs. That's enough from us, I guess. Right for now. now. Yeah. I mean, we'll be back. You'll be back too because you, you keep because you're sheep, <laughs> sheeple. You keep coming back. You always just want more.
yeah. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a brand spanking new episode where we'll be talking about two more movies. Right? Yep. What are we going to be talking about, Taylor? We're going to be talking about two big blockbusters. We're talking about James Gunn's Return to Horror with Brightburn, as well as Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Can't wait to have to pay for two theater movies. Yeah, that's like 30 bucks. It'd be awesome. Do me even more for me because I got to pay for my wife, too. Oh. I don't think she's going to want to go. She definitely won't go to Brightburn. She might go to Godzilla. She loves the fucking 2004 Godzilla. With Matthew Broderick? Yep. But but why? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad, but it's not good. It was one of those movies where it seemed good at the time. Yeah. But it like you go back to it, it's just like, that's kind of shit. <laughs> it did have that awesome Rage Against the Machine song, though. Or Audio Slave. Had an Audio Slave song? I think it was Audio Slave. I remember it had a very weird soundtrack with just like bands, just like what? Yeah. Like the Wallflowers <laughs> doing a David Bowie song. I watched this video today and it was. Um, oh, wait, it had that Puff Daddy song too, where he ripped off Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah. I was watching this video today and it was System of a Down. Um, what's that one song? Toxicity. That's called? Yeah. Okay, what's well, that song? But it got faster every time they said the word up. <laughs> I've seen that. It's so good. The, the, those those kinds of videos are becoming very popular, I've noticed. Yeah. Like I saw one the other day where it was a scene from Shrek. And every time Shrek took a step, it sped up like 5% or something <laughs> like that. Like, what the fuck's the point? And then you sent me that goddamn Smash Mouth one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, guys. So it's like the first what 30, 45 seconds of the Smash Mouth All-Star video. Um and it gets to the point where he says uh the jokes start is jokes start coming? Yes. And they don't stop coming. Yeah. And then from then on, somebody fucking auto-tuned the entire song. Just repeating, don't stop coming. Don't stop coming and it don't stop coming. Don't stop coming and it don't stop coming and it don't stop coming and it don't stop coming. And because we are fucking self-damaging assholes, we both watched the entire fucking thing. I don't know what we thought was going to change. <laughs> when do they say ribs? <laughs> never say ribs. Okay. So, guys, uh, two weeks from today, we will be back. Um, until then, Taylor, where can they find us? You can find us at graveplotpodcast.com, as well as on your favorite podcast player. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review. Send us an email. Let us know you did. We'll send you some free stuff. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And, of course, if you'd like to contribute to the show monetary, we head over to patreon.com. Slash Grave Plot Podcast. Get perks for as little as $1. It's hella fun, guys. It's hella fun to give us money. And you get to make us watch terrible movies. It's true. And then watch us talk about them. Hang our heads. Yep. Baseball. And then give you the finger on camera. Yeah. (laughs) Who doesn't want to pay good money for that? (laughs) 
All right, guys. So we'll catch up with you next time. Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Beer, kids, give me your pot. You didn't see me coming, but you just got caught.